What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast, where good taste... something, something, sound effect. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic of no renown. Uh, with me, as always, is a film critic of some renown. That, I don't... you have a job. You write good for articles and stuff. And slash film. <laughs> I write good for articles. You write um, way more than I do on a typical, on a typical any time right now. I have been more productive in the last month than I've been in, like, the last four years. I know, it's, it's been really it's exciting. It's been pretty insane. I love reading his work at Slash Film. Anyway, my name is William Bibiani. I am a critic... Uh, I sometimes write for the rap, but mostly I do my stuff here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, this is Critically Acclaimed. We review movies, uh, and we've got a bunch of them for you this week. We're going to be reviewing the new releases. Hold on, that's not that. We're well, we actually the... don't have a lot of them this week. Well, it's, it's it's a light week in terms of reviews, but we're gonna, we're going to have plenty for, of talking to do. For us, it's a light week. There's I some people so. who spend an entire podcast talking about only one new release. I don't know how they do it. Uh, we are reviewing the new releases, The Lost City. You are not my mother, and everything, everywhere, all at once. But before we get into any of that, uh, there was a, a certain event that took place uh, this last weekend. Uh, a, an event that rhymes, of course, with Schlosker. Uh, Schlosker is what they called it on Tiny Toon Adventures. Yes, Bugs Bunny was they, like, they oh, my beloved Schlosker. They, they couldn't call call Oscar because that's a, that's that's a trademark. Trademarks, but yeah. yeah, when when they won a film award in the world of Tiny Toon Adventures, they called it Schlosker. Yeah, Bugs was obsessed with his Schlosker. And, uh, and it was sto- stolen by Slappy Stanley, oh. voiced by uh, Jonathan Winters. I don't. I didn't remember, remember that who it. stole it, but I remember I remember and, him talking Bab- about Schlosker a lot. And uh, that was, in a weird way, my introduction to Columbo. <laughs> who who was Columbo? Babs and Buster were both Columbo. Oh, that's fine. And I didn't understand that. Joke. I don't think I. I don't think I would have understood that. I probably that probably was like flew twelve years old, over like, my head. Like I'd seen Columbo at that point, but I didn't oh, I really hadn't. like put it together. It's like why are they acting so weird? Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, the Oscars were this last week. It was the 94th Annual Academy Awards. Uh, Whitney and I did an Oscar preview uh, last week in which we talked about most of the nominees. There's a few we hadn't seen, mostly in the Documentary and International Awards. But we'd seen almost all of the nominees this year, and we talked about uh, who we thought should win uh, and uh, who we thought would win. And uh, just as a sort of uh, just a friendly wager, uh, we did... We did uh, uh, well, we, wage, wage bitter battle over who say, could we, predict we the most. We didn't have a wager. We just sort yeah. of tried to see who could guess the most. And yeah. it was a dead heat throughout most of the show. You were ahead for most of it. You were, yeah, you were like well, one I, ahead after like about a third of the way into the show. Okay. And I could not catch up to you, but it was super duper close. And then right at the end, we, we had... Two of the we, last well, categories were Best Actress and Best Picture, hmm. and we both picked it differently, and my two picks for those won. And, and mine were not. Yeah. I, I chose uh, Kristen Stewart as the spot on to win, mm-hmm. uh, and she did not win. Uh, Jessica Chastain, Chastain did win, and, yeah. uh, and, and fine. Yep. I, I'm, Good performance. No, I have no beef with any of the wins, really. No, no, uh, no, no. Except I mean, for, I, except for like Animated a lot more Short. Than... Animated Short oh, was yeah. the one that kind of upset me. We'll talk me, about but... that in a minute. I, people like Dune a lot more than I do, but... Um, uh, I can't fault the technicals on I that. I can fault a couple of the technicals, 
but I'll let that slide until we talk about it further. Uh, basically, what it boiled down to is that I underestimated the Academy's love for Dune, and Whitney underestimated the Academy's love for Coda. And that's yeah, kind yeah. of it. That's kind of what it all boiled down to. Um, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the actual winners, and then we'll talk a little about the awards show themselves, because that was a whole <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> there, there's uh, several cans of worms yeah. that need uh, to be opened. Real fast, uh, there were eight Academy Awards that were announced prior to the show. And it was weird, because they clearly pre-recorded some of the red carpet segments. So if you were watching the red carpet, you could watch Jason Momoa, who gave out uh, with Josh Brolin... Uh, a lot of those early awards, most of them technical, also the shorts. Um, he was giving an interview on the red carpet while people were releasing like cell phone footage of him announcing the awards in the actual That's Oscar so Stadium. Bizarre, and and they, the red carpet was a lie. <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> even keep the red carpet straight. Um, the whole point of the red carpet, like uh-huh. the carpet to enter the, yeah. the party venue. Yeah. Is that people are going in, they're filing in and finding their seats. Yeah, this is, it, just, it just lets you know this is the entrance to the theater, that's why these, it's red. These famous people are all going in, and we're going to gather around mm-hmm. either side and watch all the famous people go in. Yeah, and then there would be, that's, that's then there would be, be some, a, and then some people would do quick snippet interviews. Hey, Ellen Mirren! Yeah, ven- eventually Tell me about Gosford Park. That putting kind of not just photographers, but also, yeah, reporters yeah. or critics. Roger John Ebert Rivers used to Roger do that, and I was very obsessed with Roger Ebert because he was the only person on the red carpet who would ask actual questions about the movies Mm. and not just like i appreciate who are you wearing everyone's looking nice but that's a quick question it doesn't require a lot and then you've got like a a minute to kill and it's always like what was it like working with blah and it's like i'll bet they're gonna say it was good because they're on camera i don't think they're gonna say yeah you know who sucked while we were making belfast kenneth brand (laughs) what a dick no, that's never gonna happen. We all called him Benedict Fucker. Yeah, uh, you know, that's always been one of my fantasies to do the red carpet at the Academy Awards and ask actual decent man. questions. I, I'd like to be one of the celebrities on the red carpet sure and, and not answer anything honestly. <laughs> like, who are you wearing? Your mom. <laughs> Just be totally rude about it. Nice. Um, so, so. That was weird. It turns out they can give out the Academy Awards really, really quick if they get rid of all the clutter because they gave out the first eight Academy Awards in about 35, 40 minutes. They could just have done the whole show that way. Honestly, make it quick. I'm actually uh... fine with that. Like, I understand you want to play the songs. Fine. Do one of the songs, give out four awards. Do one of the songs, give out four awards. Mm. We could still be out of here in 90 minutes. Yeah, they're... uh... There was one year, uh, and, and my wife Angie reminded me of this, yeah. uh, where they played all of the songs prior. The songs went prior to the show, uh-huh. and oh. that's that's pretty cool because you don't take up a lot of spit like real estate temporal, in the actual, real estate in yeah. the actual show. I and, remember um, that. And remember it's that. also incentive to watch like the pre-show the, yeah. or the game beforehand. That's not a bad idea. I don't mm. recall. I, I kind of recall. Do you remember what year that was? Uh, it was like what was nominated. It was, it was over a decade ago at this point. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah, not, that's not that's not the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't recall. But uh, yeah, um, that seemed like an okay idea. Yeah. The, the whole goal of doing the show the way they did. Was this year presumably a to to beef up ratings and b to cut down on time. Mm. Ratings were a little higher. Yeah, a little higher. A little. I think it helps that last it would, year it was pandemic movies. Most uh, people hadn't seen them. You and know. 
And it was a little longer. It was three hours and I think 42 minutes. It was the longest ceremony since The Shape of Water one, which is almost five years ago. So that fucking failed. Yeah. And what happened was they here's here's what they fucking did. They gave away the Oscars like ahead of time, those eight Oscars, and then they cut to them in the middle of the show and they would announce the nominees like you normally would, except instead of having an actual like, like presenter, it was just whoever did the voiceovers. Yeah. And then they would announce who won. Sometimes they didn't announce the names of the winners. They just announced the name of the movie, which I thought was pretty fucked up. Basically, and then they showed most, not necessarily all... Of the actual speech, apparently some uh, someone noted oh, uh, Phil Lord, I think, tweeted about um, how um, I forget who it was. Someone who won one of the early Academy Awards had a bit in their speech about how important the below the line mm. uh, workers are on a film. You know, the people, mostly the people who are getting awards before the show. Apparently, that got cut. <laughs> God, fuckers! But it was uh, weird when they would just sort of cram them in, like um, they would. Throw them out kind of willy-nilly, didn't make a lot of sense. And towards the end of the show, when everything completely flew off the rails, and yeah, we'll talk about that, uh, after there was a, a pretty severe controversy, uh, it's like they forgot to give out best makeup and hairstyling because they just threw they, it they in right it. before best actress. They, they did it in between director and actress. They Which brought up uh, the antepenultimate. Yeah. The antepenultimate <laughs> award was makeup, <laughs> which usually you save the big, big, big ones for the end. Mm. Nope, makeup. <laughs> Mm. I think they forgot. I, I think literally they think forgot. they forgot. It was uh, just a whinge about the show a little bit. Yeah. It was completely unprofessional. It was oh, yeah. really, really hastily slapped together. It felt like they designed it a week before. Well, like they they didn't have the, the anything in place. They in didn't some, have the plans. In some cases, they did. Like Beyonce only confirmed that she could perform like a week ago, mm. and. The performance, which was like live in like a uh, a tennis court in Compton, because a big tie into King Richard, was fine. Mm. It was, Beyonce knows how to put on a show. It was weird that everyone was wearing tennis ball light green, <laughs> like that was an odd choice. But whatever, um, that was fine. But uh, later on in the show, they kept saying, in addition to all the normal songs, they were going to sing the nominated songs that we're gonna finally going to play for the first time live. Mm. We don't talk about Bruno. First off, that is not nominated, mm. so that's an interesting choice. And secondly, when they finally did play it... <laughs> they got Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> they got Megan Thee, Th- got Megan Thee Stallion to do a rap verse and change all the lyrics to the song so that it was about being at the Oscars, and they referred to all three of the show's hosts, Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, and Amy Schumer, as hoes, which I thought was an interesting choice for a Disney song in a kid's movie. Um, my theory is that when... Bef- when Beyonce hadn't confirmed that was going to be the opening number, and it was going to be about the Oscars. Oh, but they had already rehearsed. But they, and so they're like, Megan "Well, the we Stallion got... had already signed on." Yeah, so, so they had to put it somewhere, and it made no sense whatsoever. And if you actually were excited to actually see the performers from Encanto sing, "We Don't Talk About Bruno," which is you know a great song, very very mm. popular. Uh, boy, were you disappointed because they changed all the lyrics, and half the cast didn't do it. Mm. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I did. Suck. I did appreciate that uh, John Leguizamo, who plays the yeah. part of Bruno yeah. in Encanto, uh, came, came out to introduce the song. It's like, yeah. and they didn't ask me because it's uh, actually I didn't perform the song, uh, but I'm Bruno. <laughs> the, TF. <laughs> uh, the other, no, the other uh, song nominees were. Um, let's see. They played uh, "No Time to Die," which, uh, by the way, Billie Eilish is apparently the first person born in the 21st century to win an Oscar. 
Oh, good for her. Very, it's an, right. it's an interesting bit of trivia, I felt. <laughs> uh, let's see, Van Morrison didn't play, uh, and um, they played uh, Dos Orguitas from um, Encanto. Oh but I was very excited, you know, that there's this movie called Four Good Days starring Mila Kunis and Glenn Close. And um, they got Trish from Barb and Star uh, go to Vista Del Mar to perform okay. that song. And I thought that was really, really cool. Trish from uh, Barb and Star. Who, who was the actor who played Trish? It's Reba McIntyre. That's the joke. Oh, okay. Yeah. The joke is in the Barb and Star. There's a surprise cameo from Reba McIntyre. That's right. And I had forgotten it's, that. It's Sorry, I didn't joke. put the joke it's, together. It's a funny. It's a funny. I made it, one. It, it's funny. I'm ignorant. That's no. Funny. You're not. That's, you're that's not ignorant. Me. It's late, and you weren't. And you, there's a lot. There's a lot of references to keep track of. Um, let's let's go oh, through. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll say this. Yeah. Um, just so we we don't kind of uh, go through category by category. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll say that I. The show, for however much a disaster it was, I actually don't object strenuously to anybody who won. I don't think any undeserving um, uh, films or or performers or, or craftspeople uh, were undeserving in any kind of way. No, I'm happy that uh, there are definitely people who could have, but I think they I think they avoided that. Yeah. I am happy that after. Uh, Eight nominations in seven separate categories mm. that uh, Kenneth Branagh finally has an Academy Award. That was an interesting one because, a, good for him. Belfast mm. is a very good screenplay; totally earned it. In fact, it's probably what I would have voted for. Um, at least it's right up there. That, that, that is what yeah. I voted. Uh, for. No, I would have voted for yeah. worst person in the world. But if I if mm. it wasn't for that, I would have voted for Belfast. Um, I was a moment that I was actually like really excited about. Like, oh my god, Kenneth Branagh's going up there. He's been doing this for so long. Is it going to be really emotional? Nope. Super professional. Thanked everyone. Got the fuck out. Mm. Didn't talk about oh after so many tries. Didn't make a joke about it. Didn't make it like kind of it's, wistful and weepy. Despite Just how did the gig and left. Despite how <laughs> egotistical he is in his movies, where he always yeah. points the camera at himself and yeah. gives himself the best, meatiest roles, and yeah. sweeps the camera. At, you, you've seen his Frankenstein, where he's just oh, rolling yeah. around with his shirt off. And oh he's my all god! Greasy. I'm gonna cover myself in sexy eels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna grow his hair long. <laughs> it's alive. Look at my chest. That was also thirty uh, years ago. He was younger. But I, yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. But he didn't have to film <laughs> no, himself all greased up with his shirt off. <laughs> Uh, he's actually a pretty modest person in yeah. real life. Uh, yeah. yeah I've interviewed him. He was to... very, very nice. To me. He mostly wanted to... I interviewed him for Cinderella. Okay. And uh, we talked a bit about it. And, you know, was, I, I quite like that movie. So it was a fun conversation. And towards the end, he mostly just wanted to talk about the movie Cundin for some reason. Martin Scorsese's oh, Cundin. I don't even remember how it came up. <laughs> <laughs> he just really likes it and wanted to talk about it. Great. You know what? When you're doing those press junkets, yeah. it's got to be mind numbing oh, after yeah. a while. You're on reporter number 100 and they're asking the same question. Yeah. What was your inspiration for blah? That, that and, was uh, always my goal is to not ask the questions everyone else has. At least to be a breath of fresh Even if I don't get good stuff, at least I'm a breath of fresh air for the actor. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, oh, finally. Um, so that was cool. Um, my, my uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful interview I had with Billy Bob Thornton at one point. Ooh. He says uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, usually I can tell if if a critic likes a movie or not." Okay. And, I, and I said to and my my question was, "I'm a critic. What did I think?" <laughs> He yeah. kind of looked. He kind of looked me over for a second, as if he was reading my mind, yeah. like putting his fu- fingers to his temple. You liked parts of it, but weren't overall impressed. It's like, well, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we're gonna run through just the, the winners real, real fast. Dune won almost all the technical stuff. It lost uh, makeup. Um, 
And I think something to, else. Uh, to Eyes of Tammy Faye. To Eyes of Tammy Faye. And I think with good cause there. Um, the one win for Dune that I genuinely object to, I wasn't a huge fan of Dune. We've already mm. established this. The one thing where I'm just like, really? I still mm. don't think it deserved production design. It's a lot yeah. of sand, a lot of rocks, and a lot of empty rooms. Empty rooms. Like rooms where the people don't live in. Yeah, but there's but it's their bedrooms. Mm. Like there's weirdly... Well, I, I appreciate it's like supposed to be stark, but there's stark, and then there's uh, I don't believe the world you created, and well, that that was the big flaw for me. The, the people in Dune are, you know, this is future people. They behave very yeah. differently. They're not people. Still have knickknacks. That's true. <laughs> people still have stuff. People it's, still it's make a, their space. It's such their a own. strange stark world that it is kind of odd that there are characters named Duncan Idaho. Yeah, right. It's like. <laughs> you know, you, you meet a Gurney Halleck or a Dr. Yue. It's like, the, that makes sense. Yeah, I, that, that all there's, tracks. There, there's yeah. a Thufer Howitt in the future. I believe that. Uh, we were way off with a lot of the short films. Uh, mm-hmm. We accurately predicted that uh, the Queen of Basketball would win documentary short stuff. Right. I'm glad it did. It's a very good film. We both thought Please Hold would win Best Live Action Short, but it went to The Long Goodbye. It was probably the odds on favorite, but, mm-hmm. you know, we really liked Please Hold better. The one that I was like, what? And this is the only category where I'm like, I don't think they should have won. Like, real. I mean, I get why Dune won. Mm. This one, I don't understand it. The Windshield Wiper won Best Animated Short. Uh, it's yeah, a weird it's, choice. Well, I, I it, it was multiple styles. It was sort of this anthology film of little snippets uh-huh. of things. And uh, each short had its own sort of look. So you can, it had the most animation of any of the shorts and i can kind of understand i appreciate from a stylistic perspective some people might have been impressed i thought it was lazy storytelling i honestly thought it was like yeah hey what's love man i don't know we'll do a bunch of vignettes cool it's not very interesting i actually thought it came to no evil conclusion and it was kind of just drab and and basically was just Mm. an exercise in animation which is okay but there were Mm. better shorts i thought I could have sworn it was going to be the sweet Christmas short about the the little Robin with the mousy ears. It's impeccable. <laughs> Not only is the animation great, the story is really, really mm. good. I'm really shocked about that. That one, totally blown away. When you actually like watch all the nominees, it really does seem like Robin Robin is heads and tails like above the rest of it. But yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. I did not see that coming at all. Um, let's see here. Yeah, best original song went to James Bond again, which that didn't used to happen that often. James Bond songs. Yeah, it didn't used to get nominated that often, and they definitely didn't used to win this often. Like this is just it's an interesting sort of uh, streak. The last three James Bond songs in a row have all won best uh, original song. That was kind of neat. Which, uh, I, I couldn't hum this one for you. And I saw that nah. movie. There's just no time to die. It's just that every, all the Craig ones are melancholy, and I don't know why. Like, after mm. the first two, they decided they'd all be bummers. And I'm like, all right, it's a choice. Mm. And like I said, I, I've, I've said before, I like the song from Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Uh, it's just sung badly in the movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, so this is, uh, once again, this, this was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's opportunity to win an EGOT. He did not. And I maintain, once again, he needs to let them nominate the fun songs. <laughs> He's, this has happened multiple times. They nominated the inspirational song from Moana and mm. not the one everyone liked, which was You're Welcome. Which is the one all the kids are listening if to. If that had been nominated, it might have won. I, I, stand, I stand by this. If almost any other song in Encanto had been nominated. Because mm. here's the thing. They they joked about it on the show a lot. People people are watching Encanto over and over again with their kids. Uh, 
Dos Arquitas is the only song people aren't singing over and over again afterwards. Like, the surface pressure would have been fine. My son can sing We Don't Talk About Bruno. Boom. I think he's seen the movie twice, but he's listening yeah. to the soundtrack a bunch. But this, it's it's a it's an earworm. Like mm. it would have been a it would have been a fucking slam dunk. I don't understand it at all. It's really really weird, and I'm furious. This is honestly, I'm mad that so much other shit happened at the ceremony because no one's talking about this enough. The introduction to the best animated feature was uh, a bunch of uh, women who have played live-action Disney princesses. Mm. There was uh, Naomi Scott from Aladdin. Mm. There was um, Lily James. Lily James, some... who played Cinderella. Yeah, and then and whoever's... The, a- the actress who's going to play... Uh, Ariel. In the Ariel in the next... Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll know their name by the time she, the movie comes she, out. The poor actress who, who's playing Ariel, uh-huh. like... A she she was dressed like like Ariel from the Main Street Parade at Disneyland. Yeah, and she seemed terrified up there. Yeah. Like she was. This was not like yeah. something she was like a level of yeah. fame she was used to. A, you got mm. all those people dressed as di- stars of Disney movies, dressed as they're kind of like their Disney characters, mm-hmm. about to uh, announce best animated feature. I wanted anything other than Disney to win. Like, how great would have been if Flea had won? Like, that right then. I'm like, yeah. And because um, Disney was all over this goddamn thing. Like, Troy Kotzer won Best Supporting Actor, and it cut to Chris Evans in a pre-recorded video congratulating Troy Kotzer, and somehow managing to segue that into a trailer for for his new Pixar Mm, film. That's right. It was so fucking gross. Um, But what really pissed me off is, and I know it's all, I'm sure this wasn't them. I know it was all pre-written for them on the teleprompter, but... When they announced the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, they didn't say, here are the nominees, or animation is a great medium. They said, animation, you know, what kids watch over and over again. We know you're annoyed, right, adults? The fuck is that? Yeah, because kids are watching Flea over and over again. They they call it exclusively a children's medium, and they say that adults are annoyed by the medium. Mm. And that was an attitude that was throughout the entire proceedings, was just kind of being angry at cinema. There was a, a segment that Wanda Sykes did where she's visiting the new Academy Museum, yeah. which is where they were hosting the ceremony this year, and uh, she seemed kind of embarrassed or uh, not at all knowledgeable of mm-hmm. a lot of these the film memorabilia that the was there. The joke is that she was oblivious to mm-hmm. the whole, like the actual film memorabilia that was being shown to her, mm-hmm. and there was one kind of funny gag where uh, well, they went to the Wizard of Oz room, and the mm-hmm. only thing from the Wiz was a poster, uh-huh. and she was like, "I have the poster." <laughs> That was that was a fair barb, I thought. But honestly, uh, mostly also, it was just um, taking it down a notch. Where uh, they had a bunch of like, yeah. statuettes um, oh, yeah. on display at the Academy Museum, including Hattie McDaniel's statuette. Mm-hmm. Um, which is tragically missing. Which, yeah. Which I didn't said, know about. And they, they put a case there, it's like, and it's missing, but we wanted to sort of to honor acknowledge her, yeah. her, so we, we at least have a space for when we find it. Yeah. And... Uh, and one of Sykes' joke was, you know, the, there's an empty case or the number of Oscars won by black directors. Yeah. Also a fair bar. Also a fair bar. Also a fair bar. But uh, still, the idea was, hey, here's this museum we spent a ton of money on that's here to honor cinema. Let's talk about how much it sucks. Mm. Um, there, and again, the Academy Awards is a self-congratulatory premise. That's yeah. kind of the whole point. It's supposed to make uh, people who make movies feel better about themselves so that studios could exploit them. That's why it was created by uh, in the first place. That was Louis B. Mayer's original idea. So it's okay to let the air out of the room a little bit. Yeah. Like, there was a couple of good gags. I actually liked... I thought Amy Schumer had a couple of good gags about um, how... 
Aaron Sorkin was the only person who could possibly make a movie about Lucille Ball without any laughs in it. Right. Which, even if you like that movie, it's not funny. It's not a comedy. Like, mm. it's a fair point. It's not. I mean, it's not meant to be a comedy, but yeah. yeah exactly. But like, that's it's. But that's the thing. It's a joke, mm. but it's also a fair point, isn't it? Um. So all that stuff was fine. I don't know. We needed the the early setup that Regina Hall was single, so that she could sexually harass every man in the room. Well, really awkward. Specifically, all of the the men she had a crush on, which is called, which I get called, the gag. Called them up on stage and says, "Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go yeah. backstage and kind of grope at you." Yeah, and like we have. There's you. a new COVID test that's going to involve me jamming my tongue down your throat, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, "Should we really be making light of that?" I get that we're reversing the expectation and having it be her sexually harassed men, mm-hmm. but it's still not the kind of thing we want to normalize and say is is okay and fair game, right? Isn't that kind of weird and fucked up? Can we all agree on that? No, okay. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Um, and then, of course, uh, there was Chris Rock getting slapped in the face by Will uh, Smith. That, that, and that's yeah, where all the memes are coming from. Yeah. So all anybody talked about the next day. Well, it was weird. It was a weird moment in its yeah, entirety. Yeah. Uh, Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett's hair. I don't know if he knew that she had alopecia and that her hairstyle yeah. was not a personal choice, but actually uh, a result of a, of a condition that she yeah. had. Uh if he did, really fucked up. If he didn't, perfectly understandable for Will Smith to tell him to shut his goddamn mouth. Shouldn't have hit him, though. I mean, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. stage there, on television there, and smacked him It in was the a face. shit joke, and Chris Rock was... was it, Will Smith was absolutely in his rights to get in Chris Rock's face about it, but you shouldn't hit somebody. It was a weird moment where, A, that just fucking happened, uh, and B... We were all having, like, ostensibly a nice time, and then there was violence. Mm. Not... Life-threatening violence, obviously, but, like, but it's just, like, that is, like, I would like to leave the room now uncomfortable. Like, it's really weird and off-putting, and Mm. that sucked. Um, uh... No comment. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I had to, be, I had to mention it, because yeah. it's the elephant in the room, I, uh, but it's just, it, none of that shit was great. I, I will say that, uh... In his, to his credit, Chris Rock kept the show going. Yeah. After that, he took a moment. Is, he took the hit. Uh-huh. He took a moment, and then he moved on. Yeah, <laughs> point and, made. <laughs> and yeah, and his he was like a little taken aback, and he just yeah. very, very and and very professionally said, "Wow, Will Smith just slapped the crap out of me." <laughs> I like that moment where this all of a sudden this dawning realization. This is the greatest night in the history. Yeah, and of and, and he and is he continues. He Welcome to the greatest night in the history of television. The host <laughs> just got slapped by one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yeah, that was just really good. And it just, Somebody, it just yeah. made every. He won an Oscar after that, and every single thing he said, unintentionally or otherwise, had a weird double meaning. <laughs> where he was talking about protecting families well, he, and love, and it just ended up being really weird. Will and Jada Pinkett are, uh, you know, they're they're Scientologists. They yeah. have some weird Scientologist beliefs about behavior. In psychology and mm. uh, uh you know I, I i've seen the movies that will smith has made especially as something like after earth mm-hmm. where it's sort of about the where son plays his son and he's like it's about yeah. how he is this, kind of weirdly personal yeah it's weirdly personal but it's also about how you're not supposed to feel fear and fear is this kind of psychological weakness and it's about overcoming yeah. and becoming kind of emotionally dead and that's a strength uh there's a lot of weird stuff going on in after earth yeah. uh, and so it's, it's easy to want to try to connect those things, but we don't know what's going on. I don't know it's what's just, going on. It I was know just awkward. He, he's 
he's said and done some awkward things. Uh, yeah. uh, that's all I'm going to say about. Yeah, we'll I, let it. I'm not going to say who now who is in the right or who is in the wrong. I would I, say I everyone really... has some growing up to do. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll Everyone's say, got I'll some say it's an odd do. moment that someone thought to get up and slap the host of the Oscars. Yeah. Um. So anyway, other than that, not a lot of huge surprises. Coda won Best Picture. Good mm. for Coda. Good. There it's was... a sweet film. I, I think yeah. Coda's just fine. I yeah. like it a lot. I think it's it's very sweet. It's very moving. It's a good family yeah. drama. The performances are all great. It's uh, completely solid. I'm genuinely surprised uh, that the only Oscar, The Power of the Dog, won was for Best Director. That's I'm it. Glad, I'm glad yeah. it won Best Director, but this is the first film to only win Best Director since The Graduate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, it's uh, weird. Uh, second year in a row where a woman won Best Director, which is That's really a good nice. thing. Uh, third time in history. Uh, yeah. uh, Jane Campion, who I... I think it's been nominated a couple times before. Just once, for the piano. The piano, okay. And I think she won for the screenplay for the piano, so there you go. Okay, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice that she finally got her due. She's kind yep. of a, a well-established director mm-hmm. who does... Constantly puts out good films. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I also thought it was really, really... There was a nice little moment where... Um, uh, the... the who, who won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress last year from Minari? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she came out to announce the is the, the the winner of the previous year's best supporting actress always announces best act, supporting actor the next year and yeah, so on and so forth. Vice versa, vice versa. Yeah. Um, it was a really really sweet moment where uh, she uh, she gave the award to Troy Kotzer and she ha- she she carried the award for him on stage so that he could sign his acceptance speech. Yeah. And there was this one guy who was like trying to nudge her like, "Hey, get off the stage!" And she's like, "No, we." I'm holding his statue. I'm holding his statue so he can sign you. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but like it was actually kind of sweet and nice, and I like that. I, I like that there was uh, when Coda won Best Picture, they had multiple interpreters, yeah, uh, for uh, for deaf audiences, but also for the actors. When people were talking, there was an interpreter facing them, so they could also uh, hear the speech. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, about uh, her name is uh, Yunya Jung, by the way. I, I was. I apologize. That was. Uh, uh, oh, one one more debacle that oh, we can discuss. Oh, no. oh is there uh, more? There was. Uh, oh god, it was just an embarrassment all the way through. Uh, there was a really kind of boneheaded idea where uh, the producers of the show thought they could sort of lure people into the oh, show by polling viewers. Like, oh, this. it's like this People's Choice Award thing. It's like we're going to. L- let you choose one of the awards and that way you kind of get a little bit of a mention. And so they had yeah. things like the best cheer moments in yeah. movies. What made the, you stand up and cheer in all the, of film history? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, the, one the top five winners were from 1999 onward. Yeah, Not well, shocking, but I don't well, think it's one, in the spirit of the one thing. One was from 1999 and then the others were from like the last no years. later than like 2018. Yeah, there was like, uh, uh, well, no, Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls was the other one. It was, uh, oh, okay. it was, it was the Matrix. The Matrix. When, when Neo dodged bullets then there was. I, uh, I was impressed by that scene, but I didn't like. I didn't cheer at that moment. Uh, there was. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm not going from Dreamgirls, which actually, yeah, that's a good yeah, pick. It's people, not bad. People were applauding yeah. afterwards. That's but... cool. Uh, and then there was uh, when there were two uh, Marvel. Was, yeah, there was when they said Avengers Assemble and Avengers Ed Game, and then when all three Spider Mans teamed up in Spider Man uh, No Way Home, mm-hmm. and then of course the winner. <laughs> and I don't even know what this phrase means. It was uh, so, the Flash becomes one with the Speed Force. It was the the Flash enters the Speed yes, Force. Yes, Flash enters the Speed Force. I, I don't know what that means. It means he spent he ran so fast he basically became pure energy. Okay. Um, that's a scene that happened in Zack Snyder's Justice League, the director's cut. Mm. Uh, and uh, sure enough, the other uh, uh, online award that they gave for uh, fan favorite film of the year, 
the the first two, like the they 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 gave they ranked them mm-hmm. like number five was Spider Man, mm-hmm. like number four was Tick Tick Boom actually, which I'm surprised did so well. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, and then like I forget the order, but like number three was, was like uh, Minamata. Yeah, which was uh, a, a barely released Johnny Depp film, and uh, there, there was some sort of politics. Uh, I, I yeah. wish I had had them in the tip of my brain, yeah. but uh, there's some sort of politics about the release of this film. Yeah, where it barely got released, and yeah. uh, it was well, like Johnny, Johnny Depp is kind of you know has been had a lot of trouble history, and it's kind yeah. of hard to get his movies released right now. Well, and and that because of that, his film was barely released, yeah. and a lot of Johnny Depp's fans who mm-hmm. were defending him after. He was uh, pilloried for uh, for abuse. Yeah, and then it we learned turned out it was a lot more complicated. Yeah, that he was also being abused. Um, Yeah, it's that's a weird scenario. We're not going to get into that. Yeah, Um, but but I think just a lot of people were sort of rallying because of all of this backstage drama. Oh yeah, his fans uh, his fans stuffed the ballot box. That's what they did, which is also why uh, the Amazon original uh, musical Cinderella Mm. came in number two. (laughs) And why a lot of people watched it? Sure, why not? And why number one was. Not Justice League. That was ineligible, so they gave it to Army of Army the of the Dead, the other Zack Snyder film. <laughs> it was like all of these like big inspirational moments from all these movies, and then a zombie attacking a helicopter <laughs> as it falls off a building, <laughs> and apparently it went over like a lead balloon. Like mm-hmm. no one applauded it in the actual theater. Much like the other awards that they gave out previously, they just sort of shoved it in. Mm-hmm. Like really, I, I thought they were going to a commercial. And it's like, oh, by the way, we're doing this thing. Like there wasn't an announcement. They mm-hmm. didn't have someone come out and say anything. It was basically just like, oh, by the way, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Turns out if you poll the internet, the only people you're actually polling are the people whose fandoms are dedicated enough to stuff a ballot box, which is how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't think we're gonna be doing that again. No. Um, it's, it, it's the Bodie McBoatface syndrome. Exactly. Yeah the um, the Oscars are flailing. They're absolutely stuck in desperation. And all I'm going to say about it is this: we I've talked a lot about what I think could save the Oscars. Well, everybody does. They're, yeah, that's common I, topic of punditry. I, I think you get the Muppets to host or and or murder mystery. I, I loved your idea for the murder mystery. Yeah, like basi- uh, the, the host comes out and then a shot ring or yeah, something so, something dramatic. They take a drink and they choke very yeah. melodramatically and fall on the stage. And then Daniel Craig comes out as Benoit Blanc, mm. or if he can't get him, Kenneth Branagh plays Poirot or something, mm. and. They solve the mystery throughout the evening. They're interviewing the celebrity guests. It's just like, where were you, Javier Bardem? Like that kind of thing. It's just who you can like, get. And this, they just turn into an ongoing bit. And, and then now, right, now presenting our next award, Jessica Chastain yeah. and Vinny the Knife. Yes. And then right before you announced Best Picture at the end of the year, you would do something like, ah, uh, yes, and the, here to announce Best Picture is Harrison Ford. And then Benoit Blank like, pulls off Harrison Ford's mask, and it's actually... I don't Seth know. Rogen or something. Yeah, yeah, someone. Someone that's that's the joke and then they announce it. Just you you make a through line. Mm. Because there is a great one of the better jokes was uh, from Wanda Sykes who said uh ah the Oscars where people come to celebrate the art, the art of cinema by watching TV. Mm. And uh they've always struggled with that. Yeah. It's never really felt cinematic at the Oscars. Well, it's like- always been chasing basically Variety television dynamics from the 1950s. That's all it's ever really been. You, you'll go back a little further. It's actually yeah. trying to capture a, a stage. Well, yeah. it's like it's like the Hollywood Review. Uh, yeah, they're, they're trying that to, too. Yeah. And you know they've always had you know musical performances and they've thrown in like this dance stuff. Uh, it took them a long time to get used to sort of the TV montage. Yeah, 
uh, where they'd have all of these montages. Uh, they'd have um, clips from shows. Uh, yeah, and things. Uh, and yeah. In, in previous years, they've had these completely bizarre things, like our favorite musical moments and from movies yeah. throughout history. And it's just kind of vaguely thematically connected movies. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it called? Um, the Academy Award winning short that sort of pioneered that. Um, I think it was Chuck Workman's Precious Images. I don't know. It was a. Uh, uh, it was just clips of movies huh. set to a score. Ah. And uh, just from all throughout film history. You know, yeah. High, high prestige, low prestige. There's, mm-hmm. you know, monster movies. It's Fiddler on the Roof. It's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. It's Casablanca. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Stein, big, you know, big all, stuff, all of yeah. that stuff. Um, uh, let me look up Precious Images because yeah. I forgot what year that came yeah. out. Speaking but that, of, was, that yeah. was sort of where the Academy started to incorporate... like the clip shows. The, well, the idea that this is a medium... Yeah, like the actual medium into the show. Uh, real fast, I want, but since we're talking about those those montages, uh, the in memoriam segment was unusual this year for two because reasons. It also sucks. Well, it wasn't great, but for, there are two things they did really, really. Nineteen eighty six was precious okay. images. There's two things they did really, really differently at the in memoriam. And if you're not know what I'm talking about, it's the part in every Academy Awards ceremony. Uh, where they just do a montage of all of the uh, Academy Award winners or major people in the industry who passed away in the previous year. Uh, It's usually very melancholic and very, very sad for obvious reasons. They did two things differently this year, one of which I'm fine with, one of which I think was a mistake. Usually the music that they play is really sad, Mm. mournful, funeral-type music. Here they decided to go in a different direction and have it be sort of inspirational. Like they did uh, uh, Spirit in the Sky was one of them. that, That one was a little crass, but I honestly thought the idea of instead of making this just purely about sadness and making it about celebrating their lives, not bad. Mm. Not bad. Not didn't quite stick the landing, but that, I'm not offended by that. The problem was you had choreographed dance routines. You should not be distracting from that montage. No, that montage well, is. I the, don't want to say sacred, but that montage is meant to be taken seriously, and the, you shouldn't be distracting yeah. attention away from it. That was a mistake. The part I didn't like is they would stop the montage every once in a while and oh, have someone yeah. step out and say, "Oh, here's one of our favorite dead people." Oh yeah, I've, Ivan Reitman passed away, so we're gonna get uh, yeah. Ivan Reitman deserves extra here. care. Yeah. Or Betty White deserves extra moments. Oh, I did appreciate that. At least Jamie Lee Curtis tried to do something for her favorite charity. I mm. that was kind of nice. But and, uh, yeah. and John Travolta adopted that dog what yep there's oh, a, she, nice. she was carrying a little puppy on stage saying hey somebody Aww. should adopt this adorable puppy it needs a home and john travolta just said okay give me that puppy <laughs> you know what that's that's really sweet yeah, actually john, Tra- john travolta with his kid is like posing online how much would how nice a moment would that have been at the academy Awards? Yeah, wouldn't rather, that have been uplifting that, and sweet <laughs> let's celebrate the 28th anniversary of pulp fiction the 20 oh my god that went on forever <laughs> so they were so bored Okay. Yeah, anyway, the, I, oh, and I, oh, and the uh, anniversary of White Man Cat Jump, where they were just talking about who's more stoned right now, which yeah. is funny for a second. Mm-hmm. We gotta move on. <laughs> we gotta well, move on. Woody I'm watching this, and I I'm like, we could have fit in two was, of those eight Academy Awards we missed. Woody Harrelson probably time. was stoned. I'm sure uh, it was. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Wesley Snipes was too. Wesley Snipes is so. Li- I think he's just laid back. I think he has yeah. a weed gland. Like he's just. <laughs> Just glands some drugs into his brain. Yeah, I'm laid back. Yeah. I've, I've also got to yeah. interview Wesley. It's starting to be so ming droppy, but uh, well, we have a personal experience with this. Just Wesley Snipes is one of those actors. Like he walks into a room and you're like, yeah, point a camera at that guy. Yeah, he is just has that it quality. Yeah, he's just really, really, man. really dazzlingly charming. Yeah. And so yeah, you get him on stage. It's like yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, you are. You should play a superhero or something. Oh, do another blade. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mahershala Ali is the new Blade, but maybe they'll, get, yeah. maybe they'll get Wesley Snipes to be the old Blade and do a team-up, because everything's got an alternate reality uh, now. Sure, why not? Um, 
anyway, so the Academy Awards, uh, the awards themselves, you know, I, I wrote a review of it for The Wrap, and I said basically, the people, what people forget about the Academy Awards is the show is only as good as the awards. Hmm. The awards are what we're here for. We're here to see big moments where people feel appreciated. Or even moments where people feel unappreciated, mm-hmm. but like that's what we're here. And you just if you as, every time you distract focus away from that, you just create filler. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of filler, and most of the filler was shitty, and it was not a good show. Just respect the awards. Yeah, I'm not even saying they deserve respect, but if we're gonna watch it, at least let's pretend that we're here for a reason, rather than just try to take the piss out of everything. So, in any case, we'll be back to talk about the Oscars again next year when I'm sure they will have learned nothing. Uh, moving on, let's review some new movies. Now, this is an odd uh, week because uh, we didn't see any of the same films. And indeed, I only had time to see one. Uh, yeah, and I only had a chance to see two. I try to see yeah. at least three a week, so I apologize. Yeah. A bit of a, you know, we, we like to overachieve. But um, we like to watch as many movies as we can so we can hmm. talk about as many movies as we can. And we can spread the word about as many movies as we can. But the Oscars were this week and they kind of sucked up all the air. So, um... Let's talk about, uh, the, I guess, the technically biggest movie that opened this weekend. I think it um, uh, did okay at the box office. Uh, tell me about The Lost City. Uh, the Lost City. Originally called The Lost City of D. And I'm not sure why they dropped the of D part. Maybe they thought it was, uh, maybe it was too much like uh, The Lost City of Zed. Yeah. Which, you know, which, was, didn't, which didn't make money, so they thought maybe, maybe it was confusing. So. Um, this is a, a high-concept Hollywood comedy based on an original idea, um, which we don't get a lot of anymore. And not, which, not with a budget, no. Yeah, which yeah. which used to be sort of... When I was growing up, these were the kinds of... These were my favorite kinds of movies. Yeah. This was my bread and butter. Uh, I was very fond of films like... Uh, a lot of John Candy movies, like ah, uh, Delirious and yeah. uh, you know, Once Upon a Crime. Which one was Once Mr. Upon a Crime? De- Mr. Destiny. It was a... Big mistaken identity, uh, huh. kind of, uh, kind of crime. Mr. Dens- Mr. Bl- Destiny was uh, Jim James Belushi. Belushi. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't John Candy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just that era of yeah, comedies. Yeah, yeah. Those were the, the films I was watching. Yeah, feel uh, good. Say, say what you will about my taste. Projects, yeah, uh, I was a kid. Say what you will about my taste. Um, here's another one of those big, big cool. uh, middle budget Hollywood comedy starring recognizable, legit movie stars. Uh, it stars Sandra Bullock as a a one-time archaeology student, Mm. and she wanted to actually uh, delve into caves and do Indiana Jones-style archaeology, but uh, no one was paying attention to her academic papers, Ah. so she uh, and her husband passed away, who has also shared this passion with her. So she kind of felt a little bit alienated from her passion, started writing romance novels with uh, an Indiana Jones-type bent, Ah. and those turned out to be really, really popular. Uh, also because they had a really hunky cover model, Fabio style, mm-hmm. uh, played by Channing Tatum. Ah, okay. Good cast. And when they go on uh, book tours, he's always there. And he yeah. gets most of the attention because he's the hunky guy in the open shirt. And the yeah, I, th- that tracks. <clears throat> Meanwhile, she's like a little bit of a shy nerd in that way that only Sandra Bullock can really play. Where yeah. she's actually like a dazzling movie star, but we're supposed to buy that she's really awkward. How does she do that? That, that's that's her she thing. Actually, she, is she, able to convince because usually it's like, mm. come on. But like <laughs> when when Sandra Bullock does it, you're just like, yeah, mm. I buy it. I don't know. I don't know how I you got away it. with that. You shouldn't. <laughs> Sandra Bullock for guy, I don't know. Uh, the plot of the movie is uh, Sandra Bullock is approached by uh, a, a super billionaire played by Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, who wants to. Uh, hire her to come to an uh this distant island in the middle of the atlantic mm. where uh, a, 
uh, a volcano is about to go off, but there's a, a cave there that needs to be excavated really quickly. Uh-huh. And he hasn't uh, deciphered the the hieroglyphs. Okay. And he needs her because he knows that she actually has some real expertise in addition to being a romance novelist. Okay, so it's not like he thinks the romance novels are real. He needs her because no, she's he, actually an archaeologist. He, he knows that she, the stuff she's putting in the books is real, and he needs okay, so her she's, expertise. Because she's an archaeologist, he's putting actual archaeology in there. That's right. That's the he, okay. he, he's actually been excavating already, and he okay. just needs, like, one last chamber so he can get this MacGuffin that's hidden. Reasonably well thought out, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, she says no. I'm not exactly sure why she says no. Mm-hmm. She's like, "That's this is not my adventure. I don't want to go on an adventure." And yeah. so he kidnaps her, ah. drugs her, and puts her puts her on his yeah. private plane and like chains her to chairs and says, "You yeah. have to translate this." And that's when she calls uh, her cousin Kathleen Turner. Uh, to this is this nothing th- like romancing the stone. Because it sounds rom- a little like romancing rom- the stone. Well, the, the difference is romancing the stone is funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Burn. <laughs> the Total lost, burn. The Lost City is a fucking drag. Oh, uh, no, because you're making it sound kind of fun. Well, this it, it has a good high concept. I think this is a fine idea to sort yeah. of set up this uh, comedic misadventures uh, where these uh, characters who are unprepared mm. to go on an adventure mm. have to go on an adventure together. And, and I imagine Channing Tatum has to kind of fill his well, role as the cover exactly. hero, he, but he's uh, bad at it. Well, at first he hires a real cover hero, played ah. by Brad Pitt. Okay. And uh, Brad Pitt shows up and he's just unendingly capable. And there's, you know, action sequences yeah. where he just sort of sneaks into the bad guy's camp and knocks out a bunch of people and tries to rescue yeah. uh, Sandra Bullock. It's, like, rather, you know, it's rather clever of Channing Tatum, actually, to do yeah, that. And he wants to come along. So, like, as as Brad Pitt will knock a guy out and as he's falling, Channing Tatum will sort of, like, slap him on the way down and says, I helped. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's completely incapable. It's kind of um, funny, uh, but because of the circumstances of the film, they're separated, and they have, okay. uh, so then it's just Shannon Tatum and have Sandra to Bullock. go off into okay. the jungle together. This is a prime case of just horrendous ADR oh. trying to cover a lot of comedic ground. So there's a oh. lot of shots of like people's backs walking away from the camera while they're kind of like nattering off in the background, yeah. sort of bickering at each other, and that's oh. supposed to be funny. It's like, oh yeah, yeah I think I think I got a leech on my butt kind of yeah. stuff. This um, wasn't funny, so we added jokes in post. Exactly, exactly. Uh, There's a lot of lot of jokes in post. Pat Oswald had a great bit about that that was uh, called doing punch ups. Mm-hmm. When you get a bunch of uh, comedians uh, in a room after a movie's already done mm-hmm. to add in jokes that you can fit in in post. Yeah, like sh- he, shouting things from off camera. Yeah, usually shouted, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes just, you know, little things people say as they're walking off camera or whatever mm-hmm. like that. And he would talk about, like, oh no, I fell on some butterscotch. <laughs> like, I guess the concept of a joke is funny. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Once, once you start, like, actually paying attention to it, I took a class in sound design in uh, film school mm-hmm. and it changed my life. Because you, <laughs> you start once, noticing that once stuff. Once you can tell the difference between ADR and actual, like, recorded on set. Uh, you hear it everywhere mm-hmm. and it's abundantly clear which movies were either shot so fast that they missed that they couldn't get good sound mm-hmm. or they missed coverage or they had to rework everything in the editing room and they needed straight dialogue in order just to keep the plot going yeah, so, we missed a scene we had to cut a whole scene and now we need a line uh, of dialogue to do the work there's a, even cases the back of uh, head. Yeah, there's even cases where they can't get the original actors back so they yeah. try to get sound alike so yeah. they, they don't really sound that well or they're record, clearly recording yeah. in the booth and not on set I, I, I think every time I watch Live Free or Die Hard it drives me up the goddamn wall like so much of that movie mm, especially yeah. at the beginning just setting it up it's there was a line in uh, of, of yeah. all things Who Framed Roger Rabbit where the character of R.K. Maroon yeah. is standing in the background and you can see his mouth even though he's out of focus and yeah. his line of dialogue is you got a lot of balls coming here by yourself uh-huh. 
But clearly, they didn't want the word balls in they, there. I they think decided later rough. on it was it was so, maybe maybe it was going to give them a PG thirteen, and they didn't yeah, want so, it. Yeah, so so they changed it. So you got a lot of brass coming here by yourself, which is fine. That's, That's a fine cover, good, um, perfectly good replacement. Yeah. yeah, but they clearly didn't have the original actor's voice. They got some other guy. Uh, so all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, with completely different sound quality, you got you got a lot of brass coming here by yourself. <laughs> And and Bob Hoskins like looks kind of surprised. It's like he's record like responding to the bad recording. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah, this is pretty pervasive throughout the Lost City. Mm, I think bummer. if you're gonna have a comedy like this, that is sort of putting a comedic situation in an adventure movie, yeah, uh, the adventure movie has to work as well. Yeah, you can't you can't half ass it. Yeah, and like, this has yeah. this looks really cheap. It looks like a comedy film oh. where everything's kind of oversaturated. The sets aren't all that convincing. See, that's why They're, they put a, a little bit of money into some like wide establishing mm-hmm. shots or a few sets, but it looks really kind of rinky dink. And well, that, that's that why, really kind of hurts the movie. That's why *Romancing the Stone* worked. But you know, mm-hmm. in addition to just being well cast and well written, Robert Zemeckis, who directed that movie, if you've never seen *Romancing the Stone*, by the way, it's great. Uh, Kathleen Turner plays a, a romance adventure author uh, whose sister or cousin, I forget who, gets kidnapped in the jungle and she travels down to save him and teams up with a local guy played by Michael Douglas and they get in a bunch of adventures and it's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, if there were no jokes in it, that movie would still work. Exactly. It's still a reason. It, Robert Zemeckis knew he has to work as an adventure film mm-hmm. and a romance. Otherwise, the comedy won't be won't be enough to carry it. Yeah, I, and I, that's something that you, if you're going to satirize a genre, you have to be able to do the genre. Otherwise, you're just doing it's just sour grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're they're not really committing to the genre. They're. Uh, I, I, this might be COVID stuff or this just maybe saving money, might, but there's a yeah. lot of like sets and blue screens that look just increasingly terrible as, yeah. as time goes on. It, it seems like, I think their productions have to be so quick now yeah. uh, that they're trying to do as much as they can in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as such, the films look a lot worse, uh, which is weird because this is like a $70 million movie. You'd think it would look a little bit better or they would go someplace where they could actually shoot on location and get, you know, some better photography mm-hmm. on here. They could record jokes and think of them, uh, you know, work them out as jokes ahead of time rather than just sort of rambling a lot. Uh, scenes where we get to see Channing Tatum's butt and uh, where Sandra Bullock is picking leeches off of his butt aren't... Well, the theater I was in seemed to like them, but I didn't think that was very funny. <laughs> the people were hooting and hollering at Channing Tatum's bottom. Yeah, I, I was just... Mr. Grumpus Puss, I'm afraid, when I was watching The Lost City. I was just <laughs> sitting there with my arms folded, waiting for a while, and after a while, just sort of challenging it is, is, to get me to laugh. Do you follow... No, Lon Harris is a friend of ours. Uh, he's mm-hmm. on the Schmodown. Uh, I actually used to work with him at a video store uh, mm-hmm. on here in Los Angeles before it closed down called Laser Blazer. Yeah, uh, this is like 15 years ago now. Lon Harris is a very funny man, very, very good funny. writer. He write, wrote uh, until recently for Honest Trailers. Does he not do that and, anymore? I thought uh, he, he still did that. Maybe he still does, but I know he moved over to um, uh, a YouTube show called Some More News. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's well, writing for that now. Lon's very, very funny. He's got mm-hmm. great taste in movies, and he's got a theory right now uh, about a new genre we need to properly coin called a Red Notice. <laughs> D- named after the, the movie 2022 film Red I, Notice. I asked him, what's the definition of a Red Notice? And he tweeted it, and I want to give him credit because it sounds like The Lost City is a Red Notice. Uh, so here's his definition of a red notice. And, and right. if you're going to have a genre, uh, you need to define a genre. There need to be tangible things you can point to. It's not quality. Mm. It's about specific elements of the story or the filmmaking uh, that most films in the genre share. Maybe they don't have all of them, but they usually have most or some. Yeah. 
So Lon Harris's uh, definition of a red notice, which is based on the uh, Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot movie. Uh, one, straddles the action, comedy, caper, and adventure genres, but commits to none. Is, is international and globetrotting in scale. Okay. Three to five stars is in leads, uh-huh. typically playing a season pro, snark machine, and outsider or third wheel. Mm-hmm. Typically involve a string of mini missions, especially heists. Frequently involve a lot of obvious green screen work. <laughs> Frequently feature a scene in which the characters attend a fancy event, such as a gala ball in formal wear. Okay. Recent examples include Free Guy, Jungle Cruise, and Uncharted. Is hmm. The Lost City a red notice? Uh, no. Oh. No, no. Uh, it does have the three leads thing, because okay. it has uh, Channing Tatum, uh, Sandra Bullock, and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. It sounds like it's straddling the, the genres. Mm. Yeah, it, it's... it's yeah, it's sort of like mm. comic uh, caper romance adventure yeah. picture. Okay. It's definitely the, globetrotting. It doesn't have that episodic nature where it's like mm. it has a lot of different locations where they have a lot of different missions okay, so along the definitely way. definitely missing that. And there's no, uh, there's no snarky, jokey character. Ah, uh, okay. So... Mm couple of things so it's 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 quasi red notice. Yeah, I guess there is kind of a snarky jokey character. Uh you oh. know what? Let me let me let me amend that. Uh yeah. is there a gala could, where people like show up in like fancy clothes? There's uh, a Divine Joy Randolph is in this movie. Oh, well there you go. Uh she plays uh Sandra Bullock's agent who ends up chasing after her and there ends up go. have to sort of make her own yeah. way. Is there a, is there a fancy party of some kind or a fancy uh, there, event? There's a the action is kicked off at uh like a, a book release party. Okay, but that counts. It's not like a huge fancy gala. It's actually, I, it looks really cheap. It was clearly like, like shot in a, a well, I think, hotel I think, ballroom. I think the concept, it sounds like you got a red notice, dude. You got red notice. <laughs> Maybe so. You went to the theater, you put in good money and you got red notice. See, seeing as Lon Harris is, is has coined the phrase, I would want to run it by him first, but... Uh, okay. Maybe so. Maybe this is a red okay. notice. I will ask, I will try to remember to ask Lon to listen to this whatever, episode and give uh, us his take. Whatever the genre is... I think it sucks. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not enjoyable. I was not laughing. I wasn't having a good time. The energy level is really low. It doesn't crescendo. It doesn't feel like a good adventure picture. It needs to be an adventure picture with comedy in it, not a comedy film with adventure elements. Yeah, and, uh, that's always death. And yeah, so it, it feels really kind of fake yeah. and lightweight, and it looks really cheap, even though it was expensive. Nah. Uh, and Sandra Bullock is just sort of doing her thing. Yeah. If you're a Sandra Bullock fan, fine, go see her. Like she's she kind of on autopilot. Uh, no, she's she's selling it. She's okay. there, but I'm unimpressed. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, I saw a new horror movie. Tell me about the new horror movie. It is called "You Are Not My Mother." And uh, so, spoiler it, alert: unless my mom is listening to the podcast right now, you're not. Uh, is it based on that book where the little bird thinks that the dog is its mom? I and doubt then, it. And then the, I highly doubt it. And then it. it meets a snort and it gets scared. I'm pretty sure. The snort it, is a steam shovel. It, unless it's an incredibly loose adaptation, I say no. Okay. Uh, this is a new film from writer-director Kate Dolan. I think it's their first feature. Mm. Um, and it is an Irish horror film about uh, a teenage girl who is living in a house with some severe mental health issues that are not being addressed. Her mother Mm -hmm. is suffering from extreme depression, possibly bipolar. They're not too specific about it, but definitely depression is part of it. Uh, And her grandmother is into some weird stuff. And at first we can't tell if she's into uh, witchcraft or if she's specifically just, uh, you know, into folksy old remedies or whatever. And, 
it's entirely possible as we're watching over the course of the film that the way grandma raised mom is a distinct reason why mom is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no food in the house. The house is dimly lit. There's not a lot of love there. Uh, she's miserable. Uh, one day she's running late to school and her mother agrees to get out of bed for the first time in God knows how long to give her a ride. Uh, while they're on the way to school, mom has a moment where she decides to try to ram the car into a horse. There just happens to be a horse nearby and she decides to ram the horse and the kid has to stop her. And she gets out of the car and she just walks to school and her mother just says, I can't do this anymore. And when she goes to school, of course she's bullied. Life is really, really hard for her. There's a character named uh, named Char, played by Hazel Dupe. I think that's how you pronounce it. D-O-U-P-E. Um, when she comes home, she sees that the car is still where she left it. The doors are open and her mom is missing. Hmm. And they don't find her for a while. And then a couple of days later, she comes back, doesn't really explain where she's been, and maybe she's a monster now. <laughs> or maybe... I have like seen a movie like that. This yeah. was the plot of that movie Relic. I didn't see Relic. Yeah. I, uh, which maybe. Is, which I think is also an Australian movie. Uh, this is Irish. Oh, you said it was Irish. This is Irish, sorry. I apologize. I, it, no, Relic is Australian. This is Irish. Um, it's one of those movies where you're watching it the entire time and you're not sure how literal you're supposed to be taking this. Hmm. Like, is this just... Is any sort of sense of the supernatural just a metaphor hmm. for how harrowing it can be to grow up in a household with mental illness that has gone hmm. untreated or undiagnosed? Uh, and that's harrowing enough. That's certainly dramatic enough and scary enough in many, in many situations, not universally, but can be, uh, to justify a horror movie. Uh, however, grandma might be a witch. Mom might have something supernatural going on with her. It's kind of hard to tell for a really long time. And I'm watching this movie, and I realize that there's a weird sensation that you get when you're watching this kind of horror movie. Like when you're watching someone like Hereditary, uh-huh. where you're not sure if this is a good movie until you know if it sticks the landing. Right, right. You know, you're watching, if this all comes together well, this is a good movie. If they don't have somewhere to go with this, this this whole bit, this mounting dread, is going to feel like a waste of time. Mm. It's not the same as a slow burn. It's, it's, it's the, You're in suspense as to whether or not the movie's going to pull this thing off. Mm. Um, and I don't know what to call that, but I feel like there should be a name for that. I, oh, um, I, I reviewed one just like that recently. Um, uh. Oh, and I, I already forgot the title. Oh, dear. Uh, the one about the hmm. the uh, mother and her teenage daughter who are witches. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and they uh, And one of them... Uh, that was, it, was on, uh, it was on Shudder. It was a Shudder film. Yeah, um, it was um, the, oh. the something, something of the thing. <laughs> it, it was definitely the something, something. It wasn't the thing. That's, okay. no, that's a John Of Carpenter the thing. Movie. Totally different vibe. You're way yeah. off. Um, uh, Hell, Hellbender. 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 Yeah, that was close. Um, the, the something, the something, the yeah. thing, uh, it, yeah. it was called Hellbender. Um, that yeah. was a movie that had a lot of good mounting dread, yeah. had a good, re- good relationships, a good setup and just the limpest possible payoff. Yeah. Like it just sort of ended. It needs to go, like say what you will about hereditary. It goes somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, mean, I, I actually like that ending. Wh- whether but, you, you know, like it or not, it's a big end. Like it matters. Like it, it comes to a major conclusion about what happened there. Some, somebody enters a treehouse in that in those final scenes and it scared the flip out of me. It's not cool what happens in that film, (laughs) except it's quite good. I I think it's a little on the nose, but it's a very Mm. good movie. Um, So yeah, this doesn't have the same, like, holy shit impact that Hereditary does. Hereditary is one of the better examples of the genre just because it ends with such a bang. Um, 
But um, it does, I feel, come to a satisfying conclusion. Mm. Whether or not it's supernatural, I'll leave to you. But like, I do believe that when all is said and done, it earns what it gets. Okay. Um, and I think it's what keeps it really in line is a bunch of really, really good performances. Uh, Hazel Dupe is a really, really strong young actor. I want to see more of her. Uh, Carolyn Bracken plays her mother, and she's got to ride this really thin line between mom's off her meds and mom is actually a monster. And you can't okay. know for certain until really late in the movie. Mm. And that's a hard thing to do while still feeling somewhat respectful of mental illness because it's really dangerous for horror movies to equate supernatural horror to mental illness. It, it can be a lie. It yeah. can be really if that's, you, that, it, that's if a done big well, part of relic as well. If done well, it can work, but it's mm. it can be really irresponsible because on one hand you're kind of scapegoating super the supernatural. Yeah, like you know this actual problem of yours, it's not a big deal. It's just ghosts. It's like it's easy to fix or whatever like that. That's not really doing anyone any good in the audience who's actually living with or suffering from any of this stuff. So that doesn't really really help. Um, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people who aren't in therapy or don't do a lot of research about it and they're just kind of picking up what they know about certain things from movies and media and if enough movies and media treat mental health like it literally turns you into a monster who will kill your own children that's not doing a lot of good for people who are trying to destigmatize mental health yeah uh, i'm not saying that that's out of bounds i'm just saying it's difficult to do respectfully and yeah. responsibly and i think this movie mostly gets away with it so um it's not an incredible horror film but it is a rock solid one like the acting's All really right. really good it's pretty creepy a couple of good jump scares in it this one's not uh, on shutter is it no i last no it'll be right. i'm sure it'll find its way there somewhere similar pretty soon but uh it's having a small theatrical release uh, it's called you are not my mother um, and uh, yeah, if you like that kind of uh, that kind of horror movie, that kind of hereditary, what is going on in this house kind of horror movie, this is a really good example of it. Okay, you know, not not top five maybe, but certainly th you know three star whatever, just solid. I recommend Relic. All right, then. I, I think Relic's very good. <laughs> All right, and then the last movie we're reviewing this week is a film that you saw, I didn't, and I really wanted to, and we just, we had to record. I was going to yeah. try to go see it tomorrow, but whatever. Um, so tell me about Everything Everywhere All at Once, because I hear good things. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a film by a director team, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel, uh, other guy. <laughs> They're both named Daniel, so they are credited as Daniels. Well, that makes sense. That's that's their uh, uh, Daniel Scheinert Dan and Scheinert, yeah. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert uh, directed this film together. Uh, Michelle Yeoh plays the owner of a laundromat, mm. and uh, she is living a pretty hectic life. Her mm. dad, who's played by James Con uh, James Hong, okay, is uh, in for a. Uh, New Year's celebration that they're just going to throw at the laundromat because they don't really have anywhere else to go. Right. Uh, she is uh, kind of butting heads with her teenage daughter who plays, who's played by an actress named Stephanie Sue. And uh, because her daughter is trying to come out to the family. She has a girlfriend. She mm. wants to bring her girlfriend to uh, this, this party. Uh, her husband is played by uh, Kei Hu Kwan. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, who was short round in the Indiana yeah, Jones Temple was, of Doom. He was, he was a, a child actor who was in Indiana Jones in the Temple mm -hmm. of Doom. He was in the Goonies. Um, yeah. Cool to see him back. Acting. He was yeah. also doing like stunt choreography for a while. Oh, uh, I didn't know that, so, yeah, actually. And he was also an assistant director on uh, One Car Wise 2046. So he's had a pretty interesting <sighs> career, this guy. I didn't know that. That's cool. He was also yeah. in Turning Red Mister, uh, really recently. Yeah, he just did a little yeah. voice yeah. acting in that yeah. one. 
No, just, just uh, say no. But their marriage might be on the rocks. Oh, wait, no, that was James Hong. Sorry, I was looking at the oh, wrong... Oh, no, James was, Hong was in. I was looking Red. at the wrong... I thought I was looking at the wrong... I was looking at the IMDb page, and there was a shot okay. from Everything Everywhere All at Once. And okay. They're yeah. both in the shot, so I got okay, confused. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My bad, my bad. Sorry. James Hong, who's all right. James Hong was like 94, and he's still yeah, still lively. Legendary character mm-hmm. actor. Oh, my God, he's been in uh, everything. The laundromat is being audited. Mm-hmm. Uh, this and this all sounds like sort of a slice of life drama, and you know, there's like some energy here, but poor Michelle Yeoh, she plays a character in Evelyn, uh, is just completely overwhelmed by all of this, and uh, she has to go to the tax office and face mm. off against this evil auditor played by Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> and Jamie Lee Curtis is having a great time playing this completely like evil, boring character. Like you, you realize you don't have the right receipts, and she's like, she's like the teacher you don't want to have. Yeah, and Jamie Lee Curtis is having a great time. While she's at the tax assessor's office, while in the elevator, her husband's eyes flutter, and he turn, suddenly turns into a different version of himself. Oh. And he turns to her and says, I need you to follow these instructions, and cur- hurriedly like, passes a note to her. And while she's listening to Jamie Lee Curtis, she looks at it and, and says, if you want to talk with me, we need you to slip out of your body and meet me in the janitor's closet over there. And so she switches her shoes, which is part of this ritual. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, she's like magically teleported into the broom closet where her husband also is standing, like another version of him. Okay. And he explains, I'm from the Alpha Verse. <laughs> and okay. Michelle Yeoh's like, Okay, what? <laughs> I'm from the Alpha Verse. And. Over in the Alphaverse, we're the original uh, universe that phys- figured out how to what we call verse jump. And that is uh, people from the Alphaverse can shunt their consciousness into alternate reality versions of themselves. Ah. But in order to do so, in a kind of Douglas Adams twist, they have to do something really weird and unexpected. Hence why she had to switch her shoes. Ah. So uh, he has to do weird things like, you know, eat a sugar packet or, you know, turn turn his pants backwards. You know, odd things like that. Yeah. Something and, sort of break the code. Yeah. yeah. And he says, all of your realities are in danger because this very strange being called Jobu Tupaki has been jumping throughout the universe and has figured out to essentially reach their consciousness out into all the universes simultaneously. So they are essentially millions of people at the same time and has all of the experiences of all of those people. And Jobu Tupaki is inhabiting the body of your teenage daughter. (laughs) So what you need to do is use your inherit psychic abilities to reach out to other parallel universe versions of yourself, live as them for a few moments, return and come back with all of their experiences. So she's able to essentially absorb lifetimes worth of experiences by shunting her consciousness into parallel universe versions of herself. This sounds like Jet Li in the one, but Mm. good. Uh, uh, Kehu Kwan worked on choreography for the one. Oh, so maybe go. there was a little bit of cross influence going on. Maybe, who's, yeah, who to can, say? who's to say? Uh, the one was starred uh, Jet Li as uh, a guy who had alternate reality versions of himself that were being killed by another alternate reality versions of himself because yeah. every time he did, he got more powerful, like in Highlander. Well, it, it, there's like a finite amount of like power that can be spread amongst all of the yeah. alternate versions of yourself. Like, uh, every you, single version of you, you has a certain amount of energy in yeah, it, and so if one if, dies, it gets it dispersed to all the others. To all the others, yeah. And if enough of you get killed, you, the rest <laughs> of you become like superheroes, which is yeah. 
terrible idea. What about all the alternate realities where someone dies first? Uh, like you can't so, all die at the same time. Like it doesn't make any sense. So uh, Michelle Yeoh is able to put her consciousness briefly into another version of herself. Like here she is a tapenaki chef, so now she's really good with knives. Right. Uh, here she is. Michelle Yeoh and she goes into like essentially reality and borrows Michelle Yeoh's fighting skills <laughs> Michelle Yeoh's an experienced martial artist unto herself okay that's clever that's so fine. yeah that's yeah. kind of a, a cute yeah. little twist and when she finally gets to face off against this mysterious Jobu Tupaki yeah don't ruin it well it's inhabiting the body of her teenage daughter but Jobu Jobu Tupaki is able, because they're living multiple universes simultaneously mm-hmm. and is able to essentially warp reality to their will uh Jobu, Jobu Tupaki every five seconds turns into another version of themselves. It's mm. like those uh, disguise suits from the movie A Scanner Darkly, where she's ah. just constantly like shifting throughout identities and all these like wild costumes every every five minutes. And you know, uh, in another universe, you're a duck, and all of a sudden she turns somebody into a duck. Uh, wow. Okay. Okay, we've introduced this weird action movie premise yeah. where uh, there's all this kind of like weird science fiction magic going on where people yeah. are splitting into alternate universe yeah. universes and there's like splitting it's, it's screens. It's very Wachowski and, of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get to the, the main idea of the thing. Okay. Jobu Tupaki has been amassing... Essentially, again, don't don't this no, is gonna spoil the, it. Okay, we're the, good. This, okay. this is just it, this is not a twist. This is just sort of like okay. the, the ultimate motivation. Uh, has been assembling everything into one place, ah. and because Jobu Tupaki is a nihilist, that everything is an everything bagel that holds <laughs> all of the world's nihilism. Okay, and Michelle Yeoh and thousands of other Michelle Yeohs now have to gather up enough, I'm not going to call it positive energy, just legit optimism and reason to live in order to fight the nihilism bagel put together by an absurdist. So this sounds so Douglas Adams. <laughs> it's, the, there's this, a lot of Douglas Adams in there. Yeah. There's a lot of just sort of flip use of philosophy uh, and there's also a lot of just bizarre action sequences besides, because she has to fight up against all of these other uh, sort of agents from the, the you know, multi-universal front or whatever it was. Uh, and in order to gain more power, of course, they have to do random stuff. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're doing things like dressing in bondage gear or uh, you can tell what they're going to use uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's... Um, uh, tax assessor trophies for because they're shaped exactly like butt plugs, and there's going to be a, there's going to be a okay. scene later on where they're used as butt plugs oh in the middle of a fight scene. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> so there's a lot of weird, wild stuff. Uh, they go to uh, universes where people have hot dogs for fingers. They go to universes where everybody is a rock, uh, and. <laughs> And while they're doing all of this, though, we're actually getting a lot more information as to how this is building on the main character. It's not being done simply for style's sake. Yeah. Uh, A a movie we go back to often uh, is a movie called Bunraku, uh, which came out in like 2011. We're the only people who talk about this movie. (laughs) No, because I think think it exemplifies something really important about cinematic style. And that is uh, Bunraku has excellent style. They use a lot of like splashes and animations and anime inspired visuals. Bunraku is this really uh, elaborate action movie set in kind of like this kind of fictional Sin City-ish kind of crime universe mm. but uh, the overall aesthetic of the movie is uh, all of it live action movie mm. uh, Japanese puppet theater 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. and it's made to look really artificial. It looks like a bunch of puppetry. Yeah, that's a fine idea. Uh, I yeah. feel like, but with Brun Raku, the style is all it has. Yeah, there's no so meaning the, behind the, it. The, the characters and the neat. story are not that interesting. They're not taking story or ancient theater yeah. theatrical traditions from Brun Raku theater. Yeah, you're not you're not going to learn anything, feel anything, mm. grow as a person. You're going to go. Mm. Well, I hadn't seen like a sword whip out a bunch of like strings yeah, no, and fly no, around no. and shit before like that's new but like other than that wearing that use a sword yeah. in that way like, and that, that was a cool before, shot but, uh, but like that's all you're gonna get yeah, out so of it was it's a lot of, a lot of cool yeah. and it was completely meaningless and yeah. i feel like a lot of filmmakers make that mistake they try yeah. to make things look really cool without realizing that there needs to be an idea behind it uh the daniels uh have figured out that the idea is actually at the center of this thing and even though it's presented in all these like really wild bizarre action sequences and yeah. kind of silly Douglas Adams-ish uh, kind of symbology has actual thought in its head. It was actually really trying to get at something. Kehu Kwan is great wow. in playing uh, kind of this sad sack, nebbishy husband who's like really kind of unhappy, but is really trying to be pleasant about how unhappy he is and then instantly turns into like this badass action hero. Uh, I've never seen Michelle Yeoh better uh, That's saying a, movie, a lot. Which is saying a lot because she's an incredibly talented actor for forever. She's she's incredibly talented, but ordinarily because she's such a, a skilled martial artist, yeah. she plays action characters, and action characters yeah. tend to have one note. They're like steely determined. In America, in particular, a lot of her uh, uh, Hong Kong films have a lot more nuance. I would yeah, say, looks like Wing Chun. There's a lot more going on there. Yeah, I haven't but, seen I haven't seen Wing yeah. Chun, but, but, sure even, is, but even but, uh, then, there's there's plenty of like just straightforward action yeah. roles she's played with aren't a lot of depth to it. But she's always shown that she could do more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and here she gets to be panicked and funny and out of her element. Uh, I've, I've never seen her play it's such a great range of yeah. emotions in a film before. That's great. And it all comes down to, you know, this sort of like put upon very sad character finding that there's actually a lot of happiness in the world. Uh, this is one of my favorite films of the year. Wow. Um, and it's only March. It's it's only March. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen others. Last year was great. We, we charged out of the gate with, uh, with, Psycho Gorman. It came out like the first week <laughs> was of January. January. Oh, that was a good. It's like, that oh, was good. Yay, we got a good B movie in January, and we yeah. talked about it all year. Um, yeah, it's, I haven't seen like one that's really blown me away until yeah. now. This movie is astonishingly good. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that blew me away. I've seen some good movies. Mm. I really like Turning Red. I really uh, liked, yeah, I did uh, like Turning Red. I like really liked Fresh a lot. Mm. I really liked uh, Love and Leashes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have nothing that's like. Oh wow, this blew my goddamn mind. It's so good. Haven't gotten had that yet, so I need to make sure I see yeah, this. Th- this one yeah. blew my goddamn mind. I think there's a, there's a heck of a lot going on, and there's a lot to discuss, and it's all it, it it's just like an ex- it's an exploding heart. There's just so wow. much love and emotions kind of baked into all of this bizarre style, and it's not using the bizarre style to cover up anything and yeah. it's not using the bu- bizarre style as its raison d'etre it's it's kind of everything's sort of complementing each other it's a bizarre balance which i haven't seen done a lot yeah it's like the ver- it's the film cloud atlas wanted to be yeah and well, you, what, you what, what, what i would argue is a tv series sense8 yeah. but okay <laughs> uh, maybe so i didn't yeah. see sense8 but yeah. uh yeah i feel like cloud atlas was going for this in broad interconnectivity and how love is sort of this like fundamental missing element of the universe. Like it's a force of nature unto itself. And uh, that's something that's baked into this without really getting preachy about it. And yet there's still a lot of sort of discussions about philosophy. That's amazing. It feels like the result of maybe the last five years where Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of have realized what with people, you know, the rise of fascism around the world, 
Mm-hmm. Like authoritarian governments are sort of more popular than other ever. Uh, we've learned that the kind of online activism that we thought was making a difference was just sort of highlighting how powerless everybody was. So everybody just started to really... There, there are noble exceptions to that, but regardless, it has not gone the way we wanted no, it to. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Tweeting something or getting a hashtag to trend is nothing. Yeah. It's not doing anything. Yeah, Change, actually, actually has pro- to translate into real world action. picture doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, Don- yeah. Even donating to a cause doesn't necessarily do anything. Yeah. You know, something more has to be done. And we've realized there's not a lot citizens can do. Yeah, you know, it makes you feel seen, really helpless if you're seen, not We've felt a lot yeah. of helpless in the last five years or so, and we've yeah. uh, and the temptation towards nihilism is great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've read Camus. I know how, how di- far off the deep end you can get. Yeah. Uh, what what is the line from Camus? I, I wrote a review and I quoted Camus because I'm that kind of asshole. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he opened himself up to sort of the, the, the benevolent indifference of the universe. Right. Like, the universe doesn't care, and that's very freeing. Uh and this is a movie that has that point of view, and it argues that point of view as well, mm. like against that point of view. Argues against uh, it. Okay, yeah. You know, Good. Well, well, it makes arguments sort of in, in both, uh, right. from both characters. Well, it has the conversation. Mm. It's not just trying to dram. That's... So I think this sounds is, really good. The, so it's 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 like uh, the Daniels are trying to sort of like rewrite the manifesto for a new generation. Yeah. This is something that we need to get over. We need to look at where we've been in the last five years and realize that there's there's still hope in all of this crazy shit that we're into. Uh, it, it's oh golly, it's so good. Well then, what, um, what what a thing? What a thing it is. Well, I. I, I suspect I know how you're going to rate the movie now that we're at the end of the episode because yeah. this is where we review movies on our critically acclaimed scale we review films on a scale of C- minus to C+. Plus. Uh, most movies hover around a C average mm. some good, some bad better for some audiences than others C- plus is what we give to any movie that we genuinely recommend whether we simply like it a lot or think it's the best thing ever and C- minus is what we give to movies we generally don't recommend. We think they're subpar, mm. uh, either because they're just lacking in just enough ways or because they're absolutely awful and anywhere in between. So on that note, what do you give everything everywhere all at once? Uh, it, it, it's a C+, plus, of course. Okay. Uh, I, I, Like I said, if, if this... No. This is going to be on my top ten at the end of the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty certain. I, I haven't seen anything quite like this. I was deeply, unbelievably moved. If I see ten movies greater than this... Right, then, we're in for a great yeah, year. Yeah, we're in for a great year. Well, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. You Are Not My Mother. Uh, I'm going to give it a really high C. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... It's not, like, so good you absolutely have to go see it. But if you like this particular genre of horror, it will satisfy you. Yeah. It's quite well made. It's just never, like, astounding. Uh, but it's very well crafted, and it, it deserves to be seen uh, by those who would be interested. Just not necessarily yeah. run out. Uh, let's see. And then, uh, lastly, the Lost City. Lost City is a C minus. Uh, I wasn't having a good time with that one. And then, lastly, the Oscars. It's <laughs> a big old, big old goose egg one. Has a, has a, it was a couple a of cute moments, but big, man, big flailing fish on a beach, God just, damn you know, it. just slowly suffocating before our eyes. Uh, like last last year, yeah. when they did it at the train station. The, oh yeah, they did the Union Station. Union station that, that was a weird that, choice. Yeah, uh, a little bit of an odd show, new venue. Uh, you know, COVID restrictions and all the rest. Sure. Uh, but I think it worked fine. The only weird thing was when they moved Best Actor after Best Picture. Which they did because they assumed... They, they assumed uh, Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick yeah. Boseman, was going to win Best Actor which posthumously. Is, yeah. And it ended up going to Anthony Hopkins. Which is why you who cannot, wasn't even there. You cannot, mm. like, 
the Oscars are often pretty predictable, but um, you can't depend on them. Mm. They're only you gotta just let the you gotta let the awards be the awards. Mm. You can't like depend on them to, that, to help you out. That was a bit of an awkward moment, mm. but I think overall the show worked fine with that sort of limited capacity. Mm. Uh, it was a little odd that it was held so late in the year and that they kind of extended the deadlines. But again, right. that's all COVID stuff. Yeah. This year, WTF. I don't know what they're getting at. I don't know what, what this imaginary audience they think they're trying to get. People who don't go to a lot of movies are, are their, their prime yeah. audience. What about the people who do? Yeah, just, make it, just make it for people now? who like the Oscars. So it's of, not complicated. So all of the, their regular viewers, they kind of lost, and maybe they're just trying to scare away all the old viewers and get new ones. Yeah, maybe we we stop making movies, mm. they won't bother us anymore, <laughs> and then we can to, go home. To quote Jay Sherman, if you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. <laughs> that is so not strictly true. It's sadly not strictly true, but it's a nice idea, isn't yeah. it? Um, all right, so that's it for Critically Acclaimed. We'll be back next week with a review of Morbius. It's finally happening. <laughs> I've been seeing the trailer Hooray. for this thing for like three fucking years, and we're Morbi- finally going to see Morbius, Morbius, the living vampire. Yeah, it's, we're, a, we're gonna, like it's a, such a big deal. It's a vampire movie, but it's like connected to Spider-Man. We Spider-Man vampire. Spider-Man versus a vampire. Do you remember, do you remember when they did the uh, 1990s animated Spider-Man cartoon and they put Morbius the Living Vampire in it, but because it was a kid's show, he couldn't be a real vampire. So they, a, he, he still drank people's blood, but it was through like suckers on his He palms. had like lampreys in his hands, yeah. and I'm like, you realize that's freakier, right? <laughs> I can handle someone they, drinking blood, but having like he fucking he, he like starfish in his fingers. He couldn't say blood, so he kept on saying plasma. Yeah, which we know where we know where that is. <laughs> we know where that is. Well, maybe anyway. this this one will actually get, like bite people's necks and drink their blood. Fingers I'm... crossed. Anyway, so we're reviewing yeah. Morbius and probably a few other things on the next episode of Critically Acclaimed. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for joining us. Feel free to subscribe if you haven't already. Got a lot of shows here on the network for you. We just did our latest episode of Cancel Too Soon. We reviewed the TV series Terriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, after many many years of requests, we finally got around to it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Let's see. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive shows on there, including Holy Batman. We've been watching every single episode of the 1960s Batman. Uh, and uh, we're going to actually continue that in a moment with a crossover episode in a week or two with Cancel Too Soon because there is an animated series spinoff with the magical Batmite, an interdimensional <laughs> being who is a huge Batman fan. That was canon. Uh, so we'll do that as well. Bunch of cool stuff there. We have all our yesterdays. We review every single film ever nominated for uh, Best Picture over at Only the Best. But all our yesterdays is we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek. We do commentary tracks. We do hangouts. A lot of cool stuff over at the Patreon. Thank you to every single one of our patrons. We wouldn't be here without you. And thank you everybody who is thinking of signing up. It means a lot to us. We're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. But if you'd like to uh, interact with us in a way that other people can hear, you can send us a letter. Our email address is critically claimed. Letters no. at critically claimed. Letters. Wow. Have I, I haven't screwed that one up in a while. <laughs> the email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net. And what is our snail mail address? Yeah, send us an actual physical letter. Uh, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, and we might read your email or letter on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail right here on the network. So. Feel free to ask us questions, take us to task, mm. uh, ask our opinions on things, whatever you want. We're we're relatively open. We can't get to every letter, but we do try. Uh, and um, and of course, uh, the soap store, Etsy. We that, have a soap store. 
That's me right. and my partner, M. Lopez da Silva. Uh, we sell soaps over at Salt Cat Soap. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Salt Cat Soap. There'll also be a link to our Etsy store, etsy.com slash shop slash Salt Cat Soap. We make design and sell designer soaps. Mm-hmm. Handcrafted, smell really, really lovely. We review, uh, we reveal new soaps every single month on the first Saturday of the month. So stick around. We got some lovely florals coming up for the spring season. Uh, but we also have some really cool stuff like uh, caffeinated vampire soap and uh, <laughs> glow in the dark ghosts and uh, soap that looks like uh, a beach floor, like you know, like if you're snorkeling, it looks really cool. Uh, so we got a lot of cool stuff over there. So thank you everybody who's already purchased and uh, yeah, they make great Mother's Day gifts and now's the time to start thinking about that. So don't wait till the last minute. And uh, I guess that's about it. So thank you everybody for listening and uh, never forget, everyone's Whitney. Everyone's winning. Everyone's winning. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?